Hello and welcome to the East Baltimore Graffiti Church's podcast. We are so excited to have you join us today. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at ebgraffitichurch at gmail.com or you can check us out on our website at ebgraffitichurch.org. Good morning. Thank you, Morgan, for leading some worship this morning. I needed that. I did. I was tempted to deviate from the plan this week. I don't know if the Holy Spirit told me to be faithful or if I just uh, decided to stay on track. But if you turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 3, Romans chapter 3, we will continue this morning in our series. You know, uh, today, if, if today's sermon had a title... It would be guilty as charged. So it's the new year, and the pastor's going to preach a, a cruddy and difficult message to you <laughs> to encourage you in your walk with Jesus. That's why I was tempted to deviate, because it's a hard message today. And um, parenthetical statement, I started my new year reading back in the Proverbs, and I'm trying to read a little less and meditate a little more, because I'm hard-headed. And so the Proverbs have been very, very uh, good to me uh, in my own walk with Jesus. And so I'm tempted to fall back to that, right? Because uh, I could tell you some good stuff. Um, nonetheless, guilty is charged. Romans chapter 3, verses 9 through 20. 9 through 20. Uh, next week we will bounce back with a much, with a very encouraging, uh, our, next week will be our sentencing. Uh, that would, next week will be our sentencing. We're on trial. Picture, so I don't know how many of you like, uh, and this is relevant, I don't know how many of you like the courtroom shows, you know, like, um, uh, help me out? Law and Order. Thank you, yeah. Especially like Special Victims Unit, but then it got like too creepy, right? <laughs> it got too real. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, right, 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 right. right. So, and so you love to watch the drama. I love to watch the drama in the courtroom. When I was much, much younger, I was in the courtroom several times and not on the good side of the little wall there. And, and, and so I wasn't enjoying it then. I was a little more fearful. Uh, and, and, that's, and interestingly enough, that comes into play today too, right? I was a little more, and for good reason, a little more fearful, right? But um, we have to remember our theme. Let's do, let's, we'll at least do that today. Our theme for the entire book of Romans um, is Romans 1, 16 and 17, right? For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. So we have this sub-theme as well. We continue to hear to the Jew first and also to the Greek. One of the important themes in the book of Romans and in our, and we always say when we lay the template of the gospel over our lives, the gospel is always relevant to day-to-day -day life. And it is here today. There is equal footing there is equal ground at the foot of the cross. There is level ground at the foot of the cross. 
So while we are all equally accountable to God, and we're going to talk about that today, we're guilty as charged, we all share in that, but the gospel says that it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, both to the Jew and to the Greek. So every day that we have an opportunity to live out the gospel, to share the gospel with someone, there is opportunity for someone to come to know Christ. Because there are some things that you know about all of humanity as well as about yourself, me, myself as well. So again, Paul goes on, there is this theme from 118 all the way through the end of the third chapter of Romans about unbelief and the consequences of unbelief. So we talk about the righteousness of God unto salvation, but then there is also the wrath of God being revealed against all unrighteousness. And that's where we'll pick up today in Romans chapter 3. Um, Paul builds a case like a good lawyer in a courtroom. So everything he says and the arguments he makes, um, all of his arguments that he makes, are based on previous, the previous day in court, right? He's presenting evidence and building a case. In Romans chapter 3, uh, 1 through 8 last week, we saw that this discussion back and forth where it's almost like the dialogical, dialogical style where it almost seems like he's having an argument with someone who is opposing him, but yet it's really just Paul posing these questions as if someone were arguing with him. And it's really, oh my gosh, it hurt my brain. It's a, it's a, difficult, it's a difficult passage of scripture, and yet the bottom line is, the bottom line is from last week, God is, God is just to judge. In other words, in his wrath or in his judgment, God is just. Remember Psalm 51.4 from last week? Um, and, and this is unpleasant. People don't like, uh, uh, we struggle with this ourselves. And like, like it might be the part of the gospel where we kind of like say it a little quieter, you know, because we don't want to scare people away. That David said about his own sinfulness, oh God, you are um, just, as a matter of fact, I don't want to butcher it. Uh, I don't want to butcher it. Let me do it. It's not working. I thought I had it memorized. I wasn't going to turn to it. But last week, we come to this, Paul comes to the same conclusion that David did. And that's why he quotes him. He says, against you, Psalm 51, 4, against you and you only I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. So we got from last week, God is a righteous judge and he has a right to judge his creation of which you and I are a part. Now, so Paul goes on. Uh, today, we're all guilty as charged. We've all been, we've been arrested We've been processed down at Central Booking. I, I've never been to Central Booking, by the way. I was living for Jesus when I came to Baltimore. <laughs> Praise God. Um, we've all been to Central Booking. We've all been charged. The papers have been written up. 
and we're waiting for our court date. And today is kind of our court date. And Paul's got us all up there in the front row with our orange suits on. It's not pleasant, man. It's, it's not. It's not pleasant, right? And this is what he says. What then? Are we better than them? Not at all. So you and I are looking at each other, right? We're all up on. I wonder what she did. I wonder what he's here for. I'm sure I'm not as bad as her. Uh, you know, my beef is going to look easy next to whatever you did. Must have been worse than me, right? Not at all. For we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks are all under sin. So we're all guilty as charged under the same statute. Under you know, different uh, states and jurisdictions, like some states are commonwealths, and they're not states at all, they're commonwealths. And we live in a state, and so statutes and rules are different. Paul says here, all of us, all of human creation, Jews and Greeks, that encompasses everyone, we're all under sin. It's like we're all under this umbrella of sin. And you know why. We go back to Genesis if we must. Adam and Eve, our, all of our earthly mother and father, goes, our heritage goes back to Adam and Eve who sinned against God and ushered in, ushered in sin and death and this fallen world that we live in. But now, catch your breath. Well, you can relax. I'm reading. I'll try not to interrupt us. As it is written... There is none righteous, no, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seek for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There is none who does good. There is not even one. Their throat is an open grave. With their tongues they keep deceiving. The poison of asps is under their lips whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their paths. And the path of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be closed and all the world may become accountable to God because by the works of the law no flesh will be justified in his sight for through the law comes a knowledge of sin so we're all we're all under sin another thing we're going to see today is that um, we are all accountable to God as a result of that and then we're going to have, there's a new term brought in that Paul will continue to talk about in the book of Romans. He says, for through the law comes the knowledge of sin in verse 20. Now, look, I'd like to jump ahead to that because um, um, it's good. And, and, and Paul will take care of this theme in later chapters as well. But let's go back up to verse 10. What does it look like to be guilty as charged? Um, it's not a pretty picture. So, there's none righteous, no, not one. If I look back, and I try not to do this a lot, but here in 10 through 18, Paul is specifically quoting the Old Testament. Remember, 
we think his primary audience is Roman Christians, but also knowing that Jews in Rome are going to read this letter as well. He's quoting, he's quoting Psalm 14, 1 through 3 here loosely in verse 10. Listen to what it says. The fool has said, sorry, I messed that up. Fool. I know, I've worked on that for a long time. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have committed abom abominable deeds. There is no one who does good. The Lord has looked down from heaven upon the sons of men to see if there are any who understand or seek after God. They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. So the condition of the heart, number one. We all share the condition of the heart. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Corruption. Look, this is not pretty. So we, the, uh, we have a corrupt heart. He says, none who understands or seek after God. This idea of understanding has to do with our minds. So there's corruption in our hearts. Our minds are not right spiritually uh ever heard that yeah, he's not in his right mind uh that's for other reasons but so we're dealing with a corrupt heart we're dealing with my thought life and he says here uh in verse 13 their throat is an open grave now as a pastor i've seen some things i won't tell them all to, and i participated in funerals and I've been with folks when they take their last breath on this earth and it's, you know, it's cha it changes you. It does. And it changed me. Paul says here, or Paul quotes, um, Paul quotes the um, Psalm 5, 9 and Psalm 143. He kind of mushes them together. And he's talking about the words that we speak, my speech. So now we have, I have this, um, this corrupt heart, the condition of my heart. My thoughts and my mind are not right spiritually. And now the words and the words that come out of my mouth, my speech, as a matter of fact, he says it's poison, like uh, the poison of a snake under their lips. Listen, we can do a lot of harm with our words. We can do a lot of harm. You know, out here on the street, you can say something about somebody that could cost them their life, right? Uh, um, you can be dishonest and really harm someone else. We can assassinate someone's character out of anger in, in less than a minute. Um, you know what? Uh, a friend of mine said you only have one reputation. It takes a lifetime to build it and then a minute for someone to tear it down. And so Paul says um, their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't do New Year's resolutions, but I sure wrote some stuff in my journal last week. And, and one of the things that I really, one of the things that God has really convicted me about is just the looseness of some of my speech and my language. If you spend a lot of time with me, you'll hear me say things that you would say, oh my, does a pastor say that? Um, but then sometimes just looseness and foolishness, and, um, but sometimes cursing and bitterness, right? Um, we're all capable of it. 
And so Paul says, look, it's not, it's not a pretty picture here. We have corruption in my heart, the thoughts that go through my mind. I have speech that comes out of my mouth. And by the way, did, uh, in the Gospels it says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Jesus, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I think it's in the Sermon on the Mount where it's how can, how can um, both sweet water and bitter water come out of the same fountain? And I thought, if the words that come out of my mouth reveal the condition of my... If you hear me say something and you say, hmm, wonder what's going on in Charlie's heart today. <laughs> I started, but for, you know... I, I remembered this and I learned this and I started to think not so I could judge someone but if I recognize some bitterness coming from someone on more than just one occasion I'm thinking wow how can I care for them pray for them how can I love that person how can I pray for that person because there's obviously something going on there for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks and so so there's a clue there about how we could care for others. There's also a clue there. Um, someone, someone close to me that I live with, I guess that narrows it down, right? <laughs> said, so, said, man, you, you, sure have been, you sure have been negative lately. Now, you know, not being as wise a husband as I should be after many years, I took offense at that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I responded not in a humble manner and chose to ignore that, um, what was brought to my attention. And I thought, but after a while, and it was a while, after a while I thought, man, I'm catching myself in this negative pattern. And I thought, so it's my thoughts, the condition of my heart, and it's coming out of my mouth. Because we really do, I have a choice every day, right? So the fallen nature here is very apparent. Um, I have been charged. I'm guilty as charged. Um, I'm sitting in the courtroom. I'm getting ready to go to trial. And this is what Paul says about me to the judge. Um, then verse 15, their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their Paths. Listen, and the path of peace they have not known. Path here is talking about a lifestyle. Um, if I have never shed blood of an innocent person before, I'd certainly, humanly speaking, because of the sinfulness of who I am, I have the capacity to do so. You know, that thought in recent years has, has really kind of worked on me uh, because certainly I've been a pastor for 20 years. I don't do those things that I used to do. Um, but oh my, look at her. Or oh my, look at him. No, you know what? I have the capacity. I, I have the capacity in my flesh, right? Because I belong to Jesus. I have the capacity to do those things, humanly speaking, in the flesh, left unattended. So the fallen nature, again, I know Christ. Someone who does not know Christ, um, um, destruction and misery are in their path. This idea of path is lifestyle, a lifestyle of bloodshed. But also, do you know what's in store? Destruction and misery are also, you know, in their path, part of the lifestyle. So something that one must consider, whether one is considering it for oneself 
or because you care about someone else and you want to share the truth of God's love with them, hey, in this lifestyle, you will only find misery and destruction. Um, you will not know peace. I thought, wow, there have been times in my life when I did not know peace. I think as a follower of Jesus, and I will be careful here, Paul says here, prior to knowing Jesus Christ, we're all cursed, we're all, excuse me, we're all guilty as charged. Certainly, presently speaking, we're all accountable to God. Everyone, regardless of your spiritual condition, we're all accountable to God here. And then Paul, speaking from the Old Testament, right, to his audience is saying, this is your fleshly, this is the condition of the sinful person. And he finishes up with, I think, uh, and, and this I am, this comes up in Proverbs. This is a theme here, wisdom and the fear of the Lord is part of the theme in Proverbs. Verse 18, there is no fear of God before their eyes. They do not fear one who does not know God personally generally does not have the capacity or chooses not to, we won't get into that yet, chooses not to or does not have the capacity to fear God. I live this life separated from God. Destruction and misery are in my path. My feet are swift to shed blood. Um, my mouth is an open grave. My mind and my heart are corrupt and I don't fear God or to judge, or to authorities, or whomever. Now listen, there are a lot of folks in our culture, in our world, who do not fear God, and, and they're not criminals sitting in front of a judge either, right? I give the dramatic idea of all being guilty as charged. There are a lot of nice folks, and a lot of good folks, and a lot of nice folks who don't know Christ. And they deal, they have this same sinful condition that, you and I and everyone else has. And they are also guilty as charged, and they too will be accountable to God. Um, so this idea, Paul uses the courtroom language, and, and, and I use it because it's, it's effective, and it really paints a picture of one who is separated from God. Yet you will look at folks, you will meet folks in your job, in your workplace, on your campus, in your workplace, in the community, who outwardly are good folks. Maybe they do nice things. Um, they're not getting arrested and going to jail. Um, they may serve their community or they're honest and they work hard in their jobs where you work with them. But, but remember that apart from Jesus Christ, they are subject to God's judgment and wrath. And we're all accountable to God. We're guilty as charged. So what is the difference? And the difference between a follower of Jesus, of course, and someone who is living in this condition separated from God, it's the gospel, it's Jesus Christ. It is simply the fact, as a matter of fact, um, because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. If God is the judge in the courtroom, no flesh can be justified in God's sight. Someone said this. They said, do you know how God sees you, Charlie? Uh, they said this to me, and I pondered it for a while because it didn't sit with me right at first. It did not sit right with me at first. 
So Charlie, God sees you as the very righteousness of Jesus Christ now that you're saved. Huh, that sounds blasphemous, right? God sees you, Charlie, as the very righteousness of Jesus Christ. How is that? Because it's God, if God is looking down from heaven, God is omniscient, he's, he's omnipresent, excuse me, he's everywhere. But if God were looking down from heaven and he's looking at you as a follower of him, He's looking at you through his son, Jesus. It is only because of Jesus Christ that God sees us as so. We are, you are, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are the very righteousness of, of, of God through Jesus Christ. The Bible says that. Now, so the picture is painted. We're guilty before God. We're all charged. Guilty is charged. We're all accountable before God. We're all under we're all under the law, the human laws, the spiritual law. And then Paul says in verse 20, Paul says in verse 20 here that through the law comes the knowledge of sin. I don't know why I appreciated this so much when I learned. So it seems like the law could be a good thing or a not so good thing, right? In the covenant relationship with God, the children of Israel were, God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. Give it to him twice, right? Uh, that says a lot about the Israelites. God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. They have the book of the law, Leviticus. Then they had the second book of the law, Deuteronomy. Deutero, second book, Deuteronomy. So two books of the law, the Ten Commandments. So certainly, certainly living a life through obedience to God is important to God, right? Now the Israelites were in a covenant relationship and we're still talking about that idea that um, uh, being justified by faith and not by work. So is the law good or is the law bad? Paul's going to make a case throughout the book of Romans now that the law is good and bad, in quotation marks, if you will, air quotes, um, because it gives man the knowledge of sin. It reveals the knowledge of sin. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't lie. Um, love God. Don't, don't worship idols. So go through the Ten Commandments, right? So, so I could live a life and attempting to glorify God because I'm in a right relationship with God. I want to obey him. Or the law pressed up against me, right? The law side by side simply shows what a sinner I am. It says, oh, wow, Charlie's guilty as charged. He's accountable to God. And he's broken this commandment, this one, this one, this one, and this one. And that's just this week. No. So... So Paul makes this statement, and maybe I'm overdoing it. Uh, maybe you already understand this fully, but, but it says through the law comes a knowledge of sin. One, and, 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 like, and likewise, once you share the gospel with someone and they begin to contemplate what God may or may not be saying to them, and us not knowing will God call them to salvation or not, they're accountable to God. You, as a matter of fact, remember Romans chapter 1? We said that even if we talked about um, general revelation and specific revelation. So we said basically 
that even if you never heard the gospel, that the sun and the moon coming out and um, God's creation all around you will make you accountable to the fact that God exists and created you. So the Bible says again, Romans chapter 1, as well as here, that we're all accountable to God. So I know this is painting, this is painting an uh, not a not a not a good feel picture. It's painting a picture that's not pretty, right? And but you know what? Our humanity is not pretty apart from Jesus Christ. Our humanity is not pretty. Sometimes I look in the mirror, I don't like what I see. James chapter two, right? One, two. James says. You know, James says, um, it looks in the mirror, and the Word of God is that mirror. And sometimes when we look in that mirror, we don't like what we see. Uh, and I know that is the case for me sometimes. When I open up the Bible, and it is that mirror that James talks about, that law of liberty, that mirror. And I look in that mirror, and I don't like what I see. Why? Because I see my sinful humanity. So it is a serious thing that all men and women are guilty as charged, that all men and women in creation um, um, are, are going to be and are accountable to God. And therefore, how then should I, you know, and we could extrapolate here, I'm trying to stay close to the text today, how then should I care for someone um, who may not know Christ? What kind of life am I living, you know, in the workplace, me and the community in which I live? that is my workplace? Um, am I living out the gospel in front of those who may not know Christ? Man, that's a tough one, man, because like, look, it's easy, right? I have this goal in mind, you go to work, make money, do your shift, right? Complete the week, do a good job. Okay, I've done all those things, and you can do all those things to honor God because you wanna be, a, all those things do honor God. Um, um, but then you hear this description of who we are that's very unflattering. As a matter of fact, it would take us straight to hell apart from Jesus Christ. So God is justified in his wrath when he judges men and women who reject salvation. We're all guilty as charged. Uh, we're all accountable to God. And then um, next week, next week is the good part next week is our sentencing okay so you're i know you're not excited about it yet but you can be but you can be because sometimes the judge extends grace so i could tell you one time i thought i really thought i was going to jail no joke i was 18 years old i thought i was going to jail and by the book i, I could have gone to jail for 18 months and i'd never been to jail before what more than a night and so to me that was pretty scary and so so um, I experienced some grace. I experienced some mercy from the judge that was very unexpected. And so I went home that day after court. Uh, a uh, little shaky, had perspired quite a bit. Um, but, but sometimes the judge, and you know he has the authority to um, exercise grace or mercy as it would be. And we'll see that next week at the end of chapter three. We should be done with chapter three, but y'all know I can't do it. So, so even though next week is our sentencing, please come back because it really is not as bad as it sounds. Um, 
And, and as we head out this week, um, um, I do want you to be encouraged as a theme of the book of Romans, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew and the Greek. So we have a great salvation in Jesus Christ, yet we must know and understand the depravity, um, our own individual depravity, and the depravity of mankind apart from God. Um, in order to, to, to love those who do not yet know Christ, but also that we live a life ourselves that glorifies God in our behavior, in our thought life, in our mind, in our hearts. Um, and I just think Paul does this masterful job of using, and if you go back to Psalm 5, Psalm 140, Psalm 14, he mishmashes, it's almost like a remix it's Paul's remix. Uh, it's one of, one of Paul's Old Testament remixes. That's li literally what it is. And if you go back and read those passages in the Old Testament, it's very enlightening. Um, maybe a good Bible study during the course of the week. Amen. I'll go to the Lord in prayer this morning and just ask for God's wisdom and guidance in our lives as we've heard the word of God this morning. And then Morgan will come and lead us in a time of worship. Father God, today we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for our great salvation. And Father God, we even thank you as we contemplate our own flesh, as we contemplate, Lord God, our capacity for sinfulness, Lord, and we cry out to you, Lord God, not only for forgiveness, but with our desire to honor and glorify you. So Father God, I pray that if anyone is struggling, Lord God, with with bitterness in their heart or words. Father God, or hurtful words, angry words. Lord God, I just pray that you'll give them victory this week. Father God, if one is just, just struggling, Lord, with a bitter heart or, or Lord God, a cluttered mind, Father, I, I just pray that you'll give them victory through your word, through your Holy Spirit. Lord God, send them a believer to encourage them this week. Lord God, through your Holy Spirit, bring your word to their minds. And Father God, I just pray you'll give them comfort and peace in their hearts. So Father God, that each one may lead a life this week that glorifies you. So Father, we lift up even um, our worship to you, our food pantry time to you today, thanking you in Jesus' name. Amen.